Hello, my name is Tim, and I am the host of The Theologian's Table. So I wanted to be a little bit experimental on my YouTube channel, uh, and I'm going to be offering a sort of uh, guided meditation, uh, a series of guided meditations. And this isn't really like the typical ASMR thing that you might see on YouTube, but this is uh, meditation on God. And so I'm going to be reading from various uh, theologians throughout history and and all in some mystics as well christian mystics not to be, be confused with other types of mystics but i really wanted to do this because i've always liked guided meditation back in high school in my french class we would do a french guided meditations and sometimes we would get them as a reward you know, if we played a game, the person who won would pick a reward. And I would always pick the guided meditation, or what in, in, in French they call it, relaxation, or something uh, ridiculous like that. That's probably, I'm probably misremembering it. But uh, all my classmates would, would hate it when I would pick that because it would make them so sleepy. But I absolutely loved it. But uh, now I'm thinking, you know, what if, what if we could have this sort of guided meditation and also, you know, edify our Christian faith or our spirituality as well. So I'm going to be doing that. Hopefully, you know, it shouldn't border on ASMR or anything like that. Uh, I've seen enough of that to know how it works, so I won't be trying to hit any triggers or anything like that. And I don't know if my mic is sensitive enough to pick that up anyways. So I'm going to begin. And this is, I'm going to be reading from a book called The Knowledge of the Holy, uh, written by A.W. Tozer, who was sort of a pastor theologian in the 50s and 60s, who um, is still very influential today. So this is chapter 16 and it's called The Goodness of God. And I should also say, man, you're like, Tim, just get onto it. But uh, he starts out with these little prayers in each chapter, and then at the end he often includes a quote from a famous Christian in the past, whether they were a theologian or a mystic. So here it goes, chapter 16, The Goodness of God. Do good in thy good pleasure unto us, O Lord. Act towards us, not as we deserve, but as it becomes thee. Being the God thou art, so shall we have nothing to fear in this world or in that which is to come. Amen. The word good means so many things to so many persons that this brief study of the divine goodness begins with a definition. The meaning may be arrived at only by the use of a number of synonyms, going out from and returning by different paths to the same place. When Christian theology says that God is good, it is not the same as saying that he is righteous or holy. The holiness of God is trumpeted from the heavens and re-echoed on earth by saints and sages wherever God has revealed himself to them. However, 
We are not at this time considering his holiness, but his goodness, which is quite another thing. The goodness of God is that which disposes him to be kind, cordial, benevolent, and full of good will towards men. He is tender-hearted and of quick sympathy, and his unfailing attitude toward all moral beings is open, frank, and friendly. By his nature, he is inclined to bestow blessedness, and he takes holy pleasure in the happiness of his people. That God is good is taught or implied on every page of the Bible, and must be received as an article of faith, as impregnable as the throne of God. It is a foundation of stone for all sound thought about God and is necessary to moral sanity. To allow that God could be other than good is to deny the validity of all thought and end the negation of every moral judgment. If God is not good, then there can be no distinction between kindness and cruelty, and heaven can be hell, and hell heaven. The goodness of God is the drive behind all blessings he daily bestows upon us. God created us because he felt good in his heart, and he redeemed us for the same reason. Julian of Norwich, who lived 600 years ago, clearly saw that the ground of all blessedness is in the goodness of God. Chapter 6 of her incredibly beautiful and perceptive little classic, Revelations of Divine Love, begins, This showing was made to learn our souls to cleave wisely to the goodness of God. Then she lists some of the mighty deeds God has wrought in our behalf. And after each one of these, she adds, of his goodness. She saw that our religious activities and every means of grace, however right and useful they may be, are nothing until we understand that the unmerited, spontaneous goodness of God is back of all and underneath his, all his acts. Divine goodness, as one of God's attributes, is self-cause, infinite, perfect, and eternal. Since God is immutable, he never varies in the intensity of his loving kindness. He has never been kinder than he is now, nor will he ever be less kind. He is no respecter of persons, but makes his sun to shine on the evil as well as on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. The cause of his goodness is in himself. The recipients of his goodness are his beneficiaries without merit and without recompense. With this agrees reason, and the moral wisdom that knows itself runs to acknowledge that there can be no merit in human conduct, not even in the purest and the best. Always God's goodness is the ground of our expectation. Repentance though necessary, is not meritorious, but a condition for receiving the gracious gift of pardon which God gives of his goodness. Prayer is not in itself meritorious, 
it lays God under no obligation nor puts him in any debt to anyone. He hears prayer because he is good and for no other reason. Nor is faith meritorious. It is simply confidence in the goodness of God. And the lack of it is not a reflection upon God's holy character. The whole outlook of mankind might be changed if we could all believe that we dwell under the friendly sky and that the God of heaven, though exalted in power and majesty, is eager to be friends with us. But sin has made us timid and self-conscious, as well it might. Years of rebellion against God have bred us in fear that cannot be overcome in a day. The captured rebel does not enter willingly into the presence of the king he has so long fought unsuccessfully to overthrow. But if he is truly penitent, he may come, trusting only in the loving kindness of his Lord, and the past will not be held against him. Meister Eckhart encourages us to remember that when we return to God, even if our sins were great in number, as all mankind's put together, still God would not count them against us, but would have as much confidence in us as if we had never sinned. Now someone who in spite of his past sins honestly wants to become reconciled to God may cautiously inquire, If I come to God, how will he act toward me? What kind of disposition has he? What will I find him to be like? The answer is that he will be found to be exactly like Jesus. He that hath seen me, said Jesus, hath seen the Father. Christ walked with men on the earth that he might show them what God is like and make known the true nature of God to a race that had wrong ideas about him. This was only one of the things he did while here in the flesh, but this he did with beautiful perfection. From him we learn how God acts towards people. The hypocritical, the basically insincere, will find him cold and aloof, as they once found Jesus, but the penitent will find him merciful. The self-condemned will find him generous and kind. To the frightened he is friendly, to the poor in spirit he is forgiving, to the ignorant he is considerate, to the weak he is gentle, to the stranger he is hospitable. By our own attitudes we may determine our reception by him. Though the kindness of God is infinite, overflowing fountain of cordiality, God will not force his attention upon us if we would become welcomed as the prodigal was. We must come as the prodigal came, and when we so come, even though the Pharisees and the legalists sulk without, there will be a feast of welcome within, and music and dancing of the Father as the Father takes his child again to his heart. The greatness of God rouses fear within us, but his goodness encourages us not to be afraid of him. To fear and not be afraid, that is the paradox of faith. And he ends with this uh, 
closing hymn uh, from Charles Wesley. O God, my hope, my heavenly rest, may all of happiness below grant my importunate request. To me, to me, thy goodness show, thy beatific face display the brightness of eternal day. Before my faith's enlightened eyes, make all thy gracious goodness pass. Thy goodness is the sight I prize. Oh, might I see thy smiling face, thy treasure in my soul proclaim. Reveal thy love, thy glorious name. Okay, that was about 10 minutes, which is what I wanted to get to. I'm going to be reading another chapter from that pretty soon, and then I think I might find a few other things, and also I'd like to do some Bible readings, since this is a guided meditation on on God, and where better to get that than from the Bible. Okay, well, I hope that this was relaxing. I know my voice might be a little bit monotone anyway, and uh, I, I hope... I hope that it was beneficial for you. And so I will see you next time. I've got an episode of the podcast coming up on August 1st that is about Latino uh, theology. Excuse me, that's Latin theology with uh, a special guest. And then eventually I might turn these uh, into video, but I have to get... Uh, certain equipment for that and if you'd like to help out you can visit the patreon page which will be listed in the description box below so thank you for listening i hope you like the visuals also and you have a great night or a great rest of the day whenever you're listening to until you hear from me or see me next time god bless and keep learning